Hey, thanks for tuning in to Hillside Juniata Sermons Podcast, where our goal is to make committed followers of Jesus. We want to encourage you that if you're not already connected to a local church, that you'll find a place where you can connect, grow, serve, and go. But wherever you are today, we hope and pray that God will use this sermon for His glory and our greatest good. Thanks again for tuning in. Well, good morning. I'm excited to share with you today. I don't know. I, so I was talking to Brent. Do they still have in middle school curriculum, do they still teach the book Holes? Do you read the book Holes? Well, when I was there in Bellwood, we read the book Holes. Is anyone familiar with that book? Okay, yes. I love this book. The, the movie came out. I'm a big Shia LaBeouf fan. Michaela would laugh at me, but that's okay. It, it was like Disney was really fun. He kind of went crazy. But anyway, Holes was a really, really great book. And the, the premise, if you don't know the book... Basically, these, it's a detention center called Camp Green Lake for boys that have done bad things. So the whole story is there's this boy named Stanley Yelnats. So Stanley spelled backwards as Yelnats. And there's this, this curse that's on the, the Yelnats, the, all the men of Stanley, all the Yelnats. And um, he's walking home one day, and this pair of cleats just falls out of the sky, and it hits him. And he's like, what are these? Turns out they were cleats of like the most famous baseball player of the time. So he gets pretty much arrested because these cleats fall from the sky. So he is in, in, in sitting there and they say, okay, you, are, you can either go to prison or you can go to Camp Green Lake. And he's like, well, I've never been to camp before. So he goes to Camp Green Lake. And here their punishment is, for however long their sentence is, they have to dig holes. And they say just to build character. So it's the height and width of their shovel. It's like five feet by five feet. So terrible. So the whole story is this guy, he's in there digging holes. Well, one day, Stanley is digging a hole, and he finds something. And the, and the deal was with the warden, if you find something, then you get a day off, or you get, you get some form of a reward. So Dan, Stanley finds this thing. Well, the ringleader, who's been there for a long time, his name's X-Ray, he comes and he goes, give that to me. So he's like, well, I found it. It was in my hole. Anyway, long story short, X-Ray takes it, and he gets rewarded the day off. But what ends up happening, what he found was of great value. So the warden says, all right, everybody now, we're going to go to X-Ray's hole, and we're going to have this huge digging expedition to see if we can find more of this. So they all begin digging, and they begin digging in the wrong place. So they find nothing. So I don't know if you've ever dug a hole before, but that is probably the most exhausting endeavor if you do it by hand. And everyone who's done, they're like, yes, okay? The calluses, just, I get like six inches down. I'm like, I think we're done. And it's like, no, you have another four feet, six inches to go. And it's like, it's a very exhausting, painful process. And can you imagine going through all of that digging and the whole time you're digging in the wrong place? And I think that has everything to do with where we're headed in our next series in January, where we want to be a church where, and we want to be a people, an individual, where we do not dig in the wrong place. So today we're going to talk about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And we're going to talk about what, how do we become a disciple where we as a church will say we will choose to dig in the right place. Because believe it or not, we as a people, we can busy ourselves and dig in the wrong place. Where we think, oh, we're, we're doing, we're well intended, we're well attended, we're busy, we're working, and it turns out at the end of the day, we can totally miss it. We can totally dig in the wrong location. And our main point for today is if we fail to do what matters, we will fail to matter. 
If we fail to do what matters, we will fail to matter. matter. And we know that's that, that important truth in our lives. We see that in our children, right? If we fail to do what matters in raising our children, eventually one day we will fail to matter to our children. If we fail to do what matters in our jobs, one day we will fail to, do, to, to matter as an employee and they will kick us aside. If we fail to do what matters as a church, there will be a day where we fail to matter. We want to be a church that Juniata feels our presence. We matter to Juniata. We matter to our area. When we are here, they say, we're glad they're here. We're glad they exist. That we want to make the gospel unignorable in our city. We want them to look to us and say, something is happening there. They have the light of Jesus and they matter. We want to be that kind of a church. And here's a little thing that we need to talk about before we jump in today. We fail if you fail. We fail if I fail. The church is made up of individuals. So we all, today we're talking, the sermon is directed at you and I, and also in so doing, it's a, it's a direction to all of us. That if each of us, if every single one of us fail to do what matters individually, then that means that we all fail. So we need to go all hands in. All right, we're in this together. We need to do what matters individually and therefore collectively. So this is a message for all of us. If you individually fail to do what matters, we corporately fail to do what matters. So what matters? Great question, if you're thinking that. Um, how do we know where to dig and to keep digging? Well, the last few verses of Matthew are where we're going to be today. And some of you already went there. You're like, yeah, I know where we're headed today. And that's exactly right. We're headed there. We're going to talk about the Great Commission today. This is where, in the last few verses, Jesus is his last Last moments on earth, and he gives final instructions, final coordinates, and says, hey, if you're going to dig, this is where I want you to dig. This is what you're about, and this is who we need you to be about as a church. And, and he gives this commission, and that word commission, it's a word that means task or duty. So Jesus gives us our task or duty, and he does so from a place that we need to perk our ears. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be in verse 18. Margie's got the page number. 895. Thank you, Margie. 895. If you don't have a Bible, it's in the pew back. So 895, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Here's what's interesting. When Jesus gives us this duty, this commission, he doesn't start right away with the commission. He starts by giving us a claim. And that claim should cause us to take it very seriously. Okay, so we're going to see if you're taking notes. The first thing here, Jesus declares the authority of the Great Commission, the authority. So let's read verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, here's where the claim, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So in his last thing, it's in red letters. If you're reading in a red letter Bible, these are words from Jesus. And he declares to his followers, he says on the mountain, all authority has been given to me, to Jesus. So then they would go, oh, wow, that's that's a big deal. Because they had a culture, they had an understanding that those who had authority demanded what to do. They got in line and they said, I will do what you say. That's why Mary had to go. Mary and Joseph had to go because the authority said, here's a decree. So they understood this weight of authority. So the next thing that came out of Jesus' mouth would have perked their ears. Because all authority was given to Jesus. So that means they would listen up. So this authority, it was over every nation, 
It was over every leader, every politician, every beggar, every millionaire, famous person, average Joe. Every human being declared by Jesus is under his authority. All of us. Whether we call him Lord or not, he still has all authority. It's been given to him on heaven and earth. And we can read about that authority, right, as we, as we go through Scripture. Right? He has authority in the way that he teaches. Remember, he shows up to the temple and they say he is young, but he has authority as he teaches. And he exercises authority over diseases. And he says, be gone, you're healed. Uh, he, has, he demonstrates authority as he forgives sin. They say, who are you to think that you have authority to forgive sin? And just, he's like, because I'm God. Jesus is God. He displayed his authority by casting out demons. He exhibited his authority over death by raising a little girl, by raising Lazarus, and he proved his authority when he himself rose from the dead. And as he stands in victory, we just sang about that, Jesus not only said it, he demonstrated that he has all authority. And we know Philippians chapter 2, I asked you, I encouraged you, hide Philippians chapter 2. Memorize the whole book, if you can, the whole chapter. But chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 says, at the name of Jesus, we know every knee will bow at his name of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He has authority. So he declares this from the beginning. Because Jesus has authority, he has the right and ultimately the power to tell us what matters. So if you're wondering today what matters, where do I dig, where do I fixate my... New Year's resolutions, or or, or where do I really dig in? Jesus tells us here the Great Commission. And the next words are going to be, if you're taking notes, the activity of the Great Commission. So what do we do? What's the activity? Let's read. Yes. Verse 19. And we're going to kind of walk through this list. So all authority has been given to me, Jesus, in heaven and on earth. Verse 19. Go, therefore. Let's keep reading. And make disciples. Um, Savannah, we'll just keep reading all the verses. I think it's out of order here. But go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Last words, final instructions, coordinates. Dig here. So let's go back there. Go, therefore. So that... Literally could have, been say, could have been said in the Greek there, as you are going. Therefore, because I have authority, as you are going. So that's helpful. I think we can get a little weary when it comes to the Great Commission, myself included. It can be rather daunting. You're like, what do you mean? I got to go to Israel. I got to go to Pakistan. I got to go to Asia. You know, I, do I have to go to the nations? And here he's saying, as you are going. So church, take that that scary, daunting task and bring it down to to our table to eat as you're going to work, as you're going to school, as you are going to visit family, to run errands, as you're going to talk with the neighbor, to kids' activities, to get coffee with a friend. As you are going, Jesus says from authority, make disciples. You can do it. It doesn't have to be this grandiose thing where I'm, the, the bat symbol shows up and says, Nathaniel, go to this place. Like, as you are going, obey the authority of Christ and make disciples. So what then does making disciples mean? And I think we can all go, well, doesn't that, isn't that the responsibility of only those that, are, that we hire to make disciples? No, every Christian is called to make disciples. Every Christian is called to make disciples. And that is a command. 
So it's not optional. This is his final command with all authority to say, you, 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 me, go, therefore, as you are going and make disciples. And a disciple is not just someone who learns something, but someone who's constantly learning. A disciple is someone who doesn't just convert to Jesus, but they're a growing follower of Jesus. Thank you, Jimmy. Yes, disciples are those that are actively involved. This is not a, I made a decision way back when and I'm going to sit on my hands. It's a follower. You have to move your feet. You have to walk and say, I will listen to your authority. Yes, sir, I will go. That is what a disciple is. And he calls us then. Here's the other thing. It's not just to be the follower, but we need to be disciples who then make disciples. So holistically, a disciple is a disciple in of themselves, but also a multiplier. So we need to be a people who make disciples, who also make disciples. It's this incredible multiplication effect that one multiplies into one, which multiplies into one, and that one somehow gets bigger. It multiplies. So making disciples who make disciples of all the, na- all the nations. And he says this. Here's what help us understand what does it mean to make disciples. Hopefully today you walk out and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, yeah, I know what it means to make disciples. He gives us three participles surrounding this one main verb, main command to make disciples. And that first one is share the word. Share the word. Yes, can that be from a pulpit? Yes. Yes, can that be in conversation? Yes. As you are going anywhere, as you're at the breakfast table with your kids, as you're hanging out with a friend, share the word. Do you talk to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Do we speak to one another to where gospel and scripture oozes out of us and we're encouraging and edifying and building one another up? Or do we reserve those Christian things for Sunday? That's not a disciple. A disciple is someone who says, every moment I am chasing after Jesus. And it's all of me. It's every moment holy. It's saying, I'm going to be a disciple who makes disciples. I'm going to share the word. It includes every member of the church engaging their world. You have a world that I can't interact with. You are uniquely and specifically placed in your world with a sphere we call here at Hillside friends. Your friends, your relatives, associates, and neighbors, your friends, okay? You have friends that I can't interact with. You are uniquely gifted and and designed to meet your world and share the word. So it's important, it's imperative that you go as, as that ambassador into that network and you share the word with them. That you intercede on their behalf that you pray for them, that you invest your life into your friends, into your world. You invite them and you introduce them. We're going to talk about those four things. uh, Intercede, invest, introduce, and invite. We're going to talk about those in in January about how we can do that. But that is what we're called to do. And the question, I just want to give you a moment to ponder. Are you talking to your people about Jesus? Do you have those conversations? Are you ready and willing to share your story? The Bible says to be ready. You know, always ready to share the reason why I have hope in Jesus. Do you do that? Are we doing that? And the question is, by the authority of Jesus, if you are not, if I am not, we must. We must. Let's keep reading. 
Verse 19, let's keep going. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So that you can also go, well, hold on a second. I can baptize? Like, what are you, isn't that like a pastor's job? Like, they have to be ordained to do that? There's a lot of man-made things, okay? But the reality is every believer is to baptize others in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what that means is share the word. Baptism is show the word. So if you have questions about baptism, here's the reality. You know what a ring is, right? A ring, I took it off. That doesn't mean I'm not married anymore. A ring is a symbol to declare a commitment, a covenant that has been made with my wife. Likewise, baptism is to say, I identify with Christ. And I am showing, and by obedience upon the authority of Jesus, I am to model to the world, I'm to demonstrate to the world, I'm married. You know, I've committed to Jesus. And what it is, it's an identification. So it's not salvific is the word. It doesn't save you, right? Boom. Uh, if, we, if that was the case, I would just grab people and just like dunk them and be like, save, save. But that's not what it does. Salvation is saying what God has done within you What God, the reality that is within you, you are demonstrating and proclaiming and declaring, I identify with Christ. And therefore, to the body, the membership, the gathering to say, you now have authority to hold me accountable. That I'm identifying with Christ. I'm wearing the name tag. So you see me acting a fool, you have permission to say, you're acting a fool. And that's why membership, baptism, that's why that matters is because God has declared that under his authority, we are to identify with him in that way. We are to walk with him in that way. It's an act of obedience of a growing disciple of Jesus. So the question there is per reflection, have you declared your identification with Christ? Have you? Have you declared your identification with his church? Have you been baptized and we just it's a symbol right that's why we say the words that we do buried with Christ in baptism raised to walk in newness of life it's a symbol that we were put to death the old us was put to death and Christ covers us his blood cleanses us and we pull up from that born again made new so that we can what follow Jesus walk with Jesus we're buried with Christ raised to walk in newness of life. And that's what we're identifying. That's why we do that thing that is very confusing and comes in all different ways. But that's why we at Hillside say this matters. In obedience under all authority given to Jesus, we do that in obedience. So we're to share the word as we go, to show the word, and that comes with it its own difficulties that... I'm identifying, and and that's uncomfortable. It's costly, isn't it? For me to stand here and say, I want you to hold me accountable, that does not feel good. (laughs) I'm not looking forward to someone saying, hey, you know, you're not really looking like Jesus. But that is my desire, is to be made more like Christ, is to be transformed by the renewing of my mind as I study his word and to walk in edification where you're chiseling away my ugly edges. And one day, I can be before the Lord, and he can say, well done. Wouldn't that be amazing to stand before him and he say, I know you. I know you. Well done. And if you know the Lord, following him just makes sense. 
and you invite, you learn to kiss the wave that crashes you against the rock of our salvation. That's what it's called to be, is to show the word. So have you done that? Have you declared that? The third participle here, and this, don't freak out. Teach the word. Don't freak out, though, all right? Hang out with me here. We're not just to receive the word. We're to teach the word, right? Because he says that, what? Teaching them what? To observe, to obey. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So let's pause there. Okay. Teaching, now here's the reality. There are those in the body who have the gift of knowledge and of teaching. We need you, okay? If you have that gift, we need you to speak, to make the complex you can take the cookies off the top shelf, bring it down, and we're like, oh, I can eat that, right? We need you. But even if we don't have that gift of teaching, you and I are called to teach. So what does that mean? If we don't have that gift, how can I teach? What he's saying is we're not teaching just heady thoughts. What are we teaching? To obey. You know how to do that. I know how to do that. When you have kids, you have to teach them, don't touch the hot thing. You teach them to obey. You know, go here. Don't run out in traffic. You know, when you get home, put your backpack here. Do your homework. You're teaching. You know how to teach to obey. And the reason I know you know that, because if you are a follower of Jesus, you have to know how to follow yourself. So you're basically just taking what you have learned and you're teaching it to someone else. You can do that. And you don't have to know what you don't know yet because you're still growing, right? So you don't have to come to the table having it all figured out. You don't have to say, I'm, not, I'm only allowed to teach when I have a degree and, I, and I'm a doctorate and I went to seminary and I've, I've understood the whole depths of this book, then I can then teach. No, he's saying, as you go, as you are learning, as you are walking along the way, make disciples by teaching them to observe just as we are walking. It's the, we can hand in hand go together. And that's what we're called to do is to teach in that way. And I think we just make that really complex. So, like, you can teach another person how to love their spouse. You know, Jesus commanded that. You can teach another person how to forgive someone. You can teach another person how to lay their burdens at Jesus' feet, how to cast their cares on him, how to sit in a space that just says, I don't have an answer, but I will cry with you. You can do that. And we need to do that. We need to be a people who teach the word. And that's why here at Hillside, every sermon ends with what? Because this is true, what do we do? If we don't do the word, then we just become fat, the Bible says. Like we, we just get fat and we just get a whitewashed tomb who all of a sudden we have all this head knowledge, but we never exercise, we never work it out. We need to be a people that follow, that walk. The heart of making discipleship is transformation, not information. Information is incredible. And for you that can understand those things, I love just sitting with you with eating popcorn and being like, tell me more. You know, this is incredible. But the Bible's call for us is not merely information. It's taking the information, sinking it, Dale, what was it, to your head, to your heart? 18 inches. Sinking it from 18 inches from your head to your heart and then transforming your life and becoming more like Christ. So that when they look at us, they see what's different about you. Something has changed. This is not normal. Like, you are responding to this situation in a way that is absolutely mind-boggling. How do you look death in the face and say, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me? How do you do that? How do you look at it and say, I don't grieve as those without hope? Like, how do we do that? You do that because Christ has 
brought you from death to life. He's given you a new life, new perspective. You fixed your eyes on Jesus. That's different. That's transformation. And you can teach that. And you do teach that when you model that. Thank you. I, thank you for modeling that church. Thank you for meeting needs. All of these things, that's what we're called to do. And when we don't do that, when we aren't a people who are fixated on being transformed, following and chasing after Jesus, then what we're doing is we're digging a hole in the wrong place. We're busying ourselves, getting all calloused up. We're at the end of our life going to look back and say, I did so much and it was so hard. Aren't you proud of me? And he says, I never knew you. Because we didn't go back to our cornerstone. We didn't go back to the rock of our salvation and say, you under your authority declare, what are my coordinates? Where do I dig? And we need to be a people, a church who says, yes, sir, we are not going to fail to matter. We're going to do what matters. And the Great Commission is our rock that we need to return to, which is why we're going to start there in January. Here's our rock. So the last point, the assurance of the Great Commission. This is the best thing ever. He doesn't just say, hey, good luck. You know, like, go on your own, Nathaniel. I hope you, I hope you do okay. There is assurance there. After Jesus declares his authority, describes the activity, makes it easy for us to understand that you can do it, he says some absolutely powerful things. He reminds us the message of Christmas, right? Which was, the virgin will give a birth, and the virgin will give a birth. Give birth to a son, his name will be called what? Emmanuel, God with us. So in his great commission, with all authority, he says, and I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna be with you. He says that, and what? And lo, I am with you always, Always is always, which means you are never not with him. In any trial, in any difficulty, in any season, he's always with you. Do you believe that God is with you? Do you believe so real that he is in the room? And until that shifts in your mind, until you, you have that reality that God is with you, then you will function in a way that is digging in the wrong hole and you will busy yourself and you'll be calloused and you'll be worn out because your yoke is just not there. And a yoke is just like horses, oxen. They, they link up together and they, they plow. And his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And you yoke with him. And he says, there's this funny joke where there's this actually this Asian guy who was reading and his name was Lo. And he was like, wow, God, you just said Lo. I'll be with you always. And he's like, thank you. You know, so... And, we might, not, we might not be low, but the promise is that Jesus will be with us always in what matters. So as we go and as we link up with him and dig in the right place, guess what? He's with you. He's with you. The Great Commission is not based on who we are or what we can do on our own. The Great Commission is based on who Jesus is and what he can do through us as we partner with him. That's empowering, and you can do that. I can do that. Little old me, weak me with all of my imperfections. We can do that because he's with us, and he can do it. So followers of Christ, we need to stop digging in the wrong place. We need to stop doing things that in the end will not matter. And I think in reality, we need to, to demote our worldly ambitions, right? It's so hard to think like, okay, what do I put my hands to? Like, what do I do? Well, I can tell you one thing. That if you are not doing the Great Commission, only this 
ambition, then you're missing it. This ambition is good, godly, and wonderful. But if you're doing this at the expense of the Great Commission, then let me call you back to return to the rock of our salvation. Return to our cornerstone. Be about the Great Commission. Share the word, show the word, teach the word, and then from that place, go do what God's called you to do. At your workplace, any endeavor, any dream, God gives those, but not at the expense of the gospel. We need to be a people who tether to the Great Commission. He has all authority and he is with us. There's nothing that can stop the advancement of the gospel. You want to win? Get involved in the advancement of the gospel. Because he's already declared. Nothing can stop that. Nothing. When we make disciples, we are going in his authority and with his presence, which brings authority. And that is a very special, amazing place to be. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that, the, that Jesus has commanded. So because this is true, what should we do? Here's what we want to do. We want to be one who makes one. Be one who makes one. Okay? So all of January, we're going to talk about what does it mean to be one. Like, how do I be a disciple of Jesus? How do I be a disciple? And, and, and we have four environments, and we have five disciplines, okay? So hang with me here. Hopefully your wrist doesn't hurt too bad. But here are our four environments. So in January, we're going to talk about connect, grow, serve, go. We should talk about that so much that you're like, okay, there he goes again, you know, connect, grow, serve, go, we get it. But these are our environments that we believe that if we are in these places, we will grow as a disciple. When you connect, when you gather in the church, when you are around his people, where two or three are gathered in my name, when you connect, we believe in that environment you will grow, you will be edified. When you grow, when your Bible studies, small groups, women's Bible study, men's Bible study, when you... Dig in when you are growing and you are personally getting a hold of God's word and reading it and studying it. When you're growing, you're becoming a disciple. When you serve, when you give of your talents, that you are unique. You have a very specific set of skills. You know, like taken, like you I have a very particular set of skills. You are the only one that has ever been you. And God chose you to be here so that we could be the transformers, the avengers. You know, like this is who we are to be. And you, we need you to serve. You need to serve. You need to exercise your gifts and give them to the body. Otherwise, we fail. You need to serve. And then you need to go, right? It's one thing. We could stop on those three, and then all of a sudden our building starts getting really exciting. But if we never go, then the gospel, we're not being obedient. We're not being disciples. We need to be a people that go to the nations, to your world, and share the truth. We need to be that. So those are our four environments that we believe if you are in those environments, chances are it's going to be really hard not to grow if you're invested. And then the, the, the five disciplines, we talk about habits, right? We have Ken Beekler created this whole thing called habits, and H is have daily devotions. Have them. You've got to be in your word. If you, how are you to know what it says if you never read it? If you only listen to TikTok and videos on, on YouTube about like, oh, that pastor says something cool. Have daily devotions. Attend, AA, attend church regularly. Like be a part of his gathering, his body, and, and be edified. Become a generous giver. Be, give. There is something when we release ourselves from the love of money 
and we are obedient and generous in our time, talents, and treasures, that we become more like Christ. That is a habit that his people have. I, involve yourself in a small group. Community in the trenches. And do we not need that? You are in the trenches. Find a community that you involve yourself in, and then T, take part in serving. These are our habits, okay? So we believe that if you get in these right environments with these right disciplines, then the odds are you and I will become disciples. So that's who we are as Hillside. So if you're visiting, you're like, okay, that helps. That that shares quite a bit of things for me. But we want to develop those. So we believe if you do that, you'll become a disciple. Be one. So the question is, what's your next step? What's the next step for you? Do you need to become baptized? Become a member? Do you need to identify yourself? Do you need to say, hey, I need a small group. I'm going to start a small group. Do you need to start daily devotions? Do you need to serve? All of these things. This year, what do you need to do? And just start with one step. What's one thing that you need to do this year? Be one who makes one. Be intentional. We want you to dig in the right place. And if we're missing the gospel, if we're missing the Great Commission, then we're not doing what matters most. So here's what I want to do. I want to make this super easy. Our friends at NAM, North American Mission Board, they have created a, a campaign that is so helpful, and it's called Who's Your One? Who's Your One? So take a look at this video. This is what we're going to embark on starting in February. I want each of you to be considering this that we will walk through this together. So is the video ready to go? Take a look at this video. The video is pretty epic, but you heard him, all right? So, oh, there it is, okay, who's your one? Okay, that's the point. Just one, could you imagine? Think and pray, and we wanna take all of January as we be one, that we learn what it is to be a disciple, that from that place, we wanna ask you over this entire January series, pray and ask God, identify who's that one person in your network? Who's that friend, relative, associate, neighbor that God is saying, that's the one I want you to dig for. That's the one I want you to dig for. And and we're gonna make it easy. So I've already purchased enough 30-day devotionals for every single one of you and your kids to have one. There's a student devotional that 30 days, can we do it for 30 days, right? Can we just say for our one, we're going to commit to at least 30 days praying for our one. And we're going to practice what does it mean to pursue and to dig in that place. Will you commit to doing that? I will. I'm going to ask the Lord to reveal to me who is that one. And sometimes we go, I don't know that I have one. Then you'd be like, go find one. You know, like, go down. There's a guy, Jim. He walks around. I love Jim. He could be your one, right? He's, he draws pictures of houses. He's really cool. Find one and say, I am going to give to you. I'm going to dig in that right place. Could you imagine if every single one of us obeyed this great commission, went with the authority of Jesus, where he has already gone before us, he's with us, and we pursued our one to the depth that God has called us to? Could you imagine? What would happen? And you know, you care about that one. You're already getting teary-eyed if you're like me. Like, I would love so bad for that person that I love to come to know Christ and to be partnered with in that endeavor. Imagine the family trees that could be altered, the people that would be redeemed. And it all starts with you and I saying, I'm gonna start with one. The gospel moves at the speed of relationships, one by one by one, and it multiplies. It multiplies. So let's start digging in the right place. I mentioned Stanley, Yelnats, the fourth, from Holes in the Beginning. And here's the reality. I love the ending. If you haven't seen it, it's on Disney Plus, right? Stanley marked his hole with a stone. 
And it ends up the whole story where he leaves, he runs away, he's like at his end. And if you didn't know, that curse that was on his family, the, the whole story, right? Where it's like it, the whole reason that it happened was because of my dirty, no good, pig stealing great great grandfather, you know? Where this whole story where he didn't do something and there's this curse on his life. What ends up happening where Stanley takes his friend, Zero, and returns back to the same hole marked by a stone. Together they dig. Together they find the treasure, and the curse of their life and their family is broken, and it changes everything for them. And that's the call for you and I, is will you find your zero? Will you take someone back to our cornerstone, to the stone, return to the stone that is the Great Commission, say, come with me, let's dig together, and there is treasure to be found here, and his name is Jesus. He's our cornerstone, and together, let's let our lives be changed, transformed. This is not something where we just bark orders and say, good job. We're not supervisors. We dig together. We walk together. We yoke with our one and we say, we will dig together and together we will discover the treasure that is hidden, that has been revealed, who has come, who is born, our Emmanuel, God with us. That's what our endeavor is in January. So be praying about your one. Who is it that God maybe placed on your mind and your heart right now? You're like, that would be amazing. And let's together dig in that place, and I will pray, and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you that you are with us. And that you've given us instruction with what to busy our hands with. Lord, we want to work. We want to do for you. And Lord, it's hard sometimes to figure out and pick, and you know, what do we get involved in? But Lord, thank you for making the basics, the foundation simple. Lord, may we be a people who make disciples. May we first be disciples who follow you, who welcome admonishment, who welcome correction, who want to be transformed, who study. Lord, may that be a marker of us individually and thus us corporately. May you be proud of us as your church here, of faithful people. That's what we want to be. We want to be found faithful, not impressive, faithful. So Lord, may you do that among us, do that within us. It starts with us. And Lord, as we pursue in obedience, the pursuit of one. Lord, would you make it very clear to us who that one is. And as we become disciples, may we be found faithful as we dig with another. So would you use us for the advancement of the gospel this year? Would you well up within us desire and passion to dig in the right place? In Jesus' name. 